to her folly through mid on for four. Jeffrey Bolter, 100-100, the place to get it here on his home ground at Heavenly. Got it! Got it! Well deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Got him! What a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom. Hey guys, and welcome to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club. I'm your usual host, Tim Bresnan, and with me, as always, is Richard Pyra. Episode, what are we on here? It's nine, isn't it? Nine. Number nine. Episode nine. Click on it. Yeah, how have you been, Rich? What have you been doing last week? All good, mate. Um, been on bike today, our SNCP, uh, social distancing bike bike ride. He came over, uh, we did 100k this morning. Um, 100k? He's a bit He's a bit of an animal, is Pete. So he wanted some hills, went up a few hills, and now I'm in absolute agony. Were you trying My to legs show are gone. off? Were you showing off? No, I wasn't showing off. I'm trying to keep up with him. As an S&C, you know what they're like, S&Cs. It's like, get the, know, get the sleeves rolled up. I've, I've never seen a cyclist with a vest on before. <laughs> <laughs> You're ultra competitive, though, aren't you? You know, it's that driving yeah, determination in you. Yeah, I am, but he, uh, he's a bit st- too strong for me, is Pete. But... What were you, no, what were good, you, mate. What, what were you wearing? What were you wearing, Rich? I just had my shirt off. Bit of oh, baby oil. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Bit of venus. Did you have a helmet yeah. on or were you worried it would spoil your hair? No, I can't put a helmet on over gel, can you? <laughs> of course I had a helmet on, Tim. So what have you been up to? I think you've got a bit of a story for us, you said, didn't you? Um, it's not really a story. Like, uh, Is it one of those Brizzy stories that's really long and then ends up not being funny? Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Um, so I woke up this morning and Hannah, my wife, she's there. She went, oh, I've been up all night. I've had some unbelievable ideas what we can do with the house. I was like, all right, yeah, crack on. Let's hear it. She went, I think what we should do first, you should you should start this morning and rub down and prime. Rub down me. <laughs> I wish. Uh, rub down prime and paint all the windows around the front of the house. I was like, okay. And then she's like, right, we'll tidy all these bushes up and we'll do this and we'll do that. And this needs doing, that needs doing. I was like, well, what are you going to be doing, my lord? So she's basically got the inside. You know, she just gets on one. And then, so I've done that. And then straight after, I get down from ladder. And um, she said, I need your help. I was like, what's up? She went, there's, uh, there's 15 matchbox cars down the toilet. So when it humans have eaten it and it's all come out? Well, <laughs> I'd like to think so. But what I think has happened is that the little ones just go, I know what's a good idea. Let's try and flush these Maxbox cars down the toilet. But obviously they've not gone anywhere. She's panicked. But she'd done a business beforehand. So basically what we did was we put a load of bleach down the toilet to try and clean it out. And then we tried, we flushed it. Not to get rid of the cars because when they were there, it won't shift. Uh, and then fished them out of my hand. So basically my hand looks like it's been dipped in acid. And it's, it's, it's just it's, a normal day at the Bresden household. Just a normal day at the Bresden household, yeah. yeah. Right, well, on um, that note, let's, uh, let's get on to this week's guest. <laughs> Cheers, Bresden. So, yeah, it, it was one of those long, funny stories that weren't funny. Anyway. <laughs> I, love the, I love the old Bresden stories, the, the quality. You're making me nervous, yeah, Bres. I can't follow that. <laughs> Whatever, mate. <laughs> you stay stum anyway, we haven't introduced you yet. Okay, so uh, this week's guest, we're going back to what we know, an ex-cricketer. Uh, we, had, we had a footballer on last week, so... This player played uh, 136 first-class games, scoring 7,056 runs for Yorkshire and then Glamorgan. And I think you were the captain that gave me my first-class debut, would it? 16 first-class hundreds, and is now the personal development manager for the PCA. Nice to welcome you, Matthew Wood. How are you, Rog? <laughs> You've given you <laughs> away about three times before you said it's Matthew Wood. All good. Thanks, boys. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Do you know what? We've got off to a shaky start on this one, Rog. We're sorry. But um, it's only going to get better now that you're here. How are you doing, mate? How's your week been? All good, mate. It's crazy times, isn't it? But um, yeah, all, all good in the wood house. Cracking on, lockdown, homeschooling, still working, still smiling. Yeah. So we've just got to you're keep like, You're like me, aren't you, Ronnie? You've, you've got twin girls. How's the, how's the homeschooling going? Shambles. Yeah, I'm not. Um, we're not too bad, Richie. We're not too bad. Um, 
but yeah, massive respect for teachers after this. I think uh, <sighs> need some patience, don't we? I don't know about you, but you know, with twins, I've it's exact same work that they're supposed to be doing, but they're two completely different characters, and it's an absolute nightmare. One's flying through it, other one is just not interested. Yeah, they've done plenty of food tech, lots of cooking, lots of baking, lots of drawing, uh, other stuff, Rich. But like you said, they had the two different characters. One wants to work with a sister, other wants her own space. So um, it's just Recipe. Yeah, crazy. What's your Ofsted report saying, Rog? Um, good effort. Good effort. Um, <laughs> could do better. Good for effort. A bit like me cricket. Good effort. Could do, could do better. A bit like this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Okay, would it just as we do with every uh, every guest, uh, tell us a little bit about your background story, how you got into cricket, how it all started, and uh, your journey being to professional cricketer. Yeah, so Emily Ladd, Rich, as you know, famous for its big TV mast, and it had a pretty decent football team as well. And those who've seen it, the cricket field overlaps after the football field. We live just behind there, so we um, just brought up around football and cricket, lads, as you know, and. My dad played both and dragged around dressing rooms from probably around six years old. Went to watch Emily at football home and away. Uh, was a mascot for a period. My dad sort of worked manager and just got into the sport and environment. And to be fair, I just played football and cricket like that pretty much till I was 15, 16. Never no ambition to go. Used to go watch Yorkshire, by the way, but never really one of them lads who said, I'll be there one day. And um, amazingly, just got... I would performing, outperforming everyone in Huddersfield, but amazingly, um, I'm going to be a fireman. And at 15, I started making a lot of big scores and I got invited to play some regional stuff. And it's, uh, it was a bit of a theme through all my early career. Every time I got a sniff, I had a really good day. And it was only, you know, to, to give you another game. So when it got to 16, played obviously for Yorkshire schools and stuff, but I had a massive tour to Exeter, scored 300s in the week. And actually started to think I could hold my own here a little bit. They were in some good environments. So I signed on the academy, pretty sharpish, 17, 18. Uh, split it with my school back, back then. It was Park Avenue days, which were class. Very good um, education in cricket. And signed pro uh, straight after. So it was were, it were a nice transition. And then sort of early in my second 11 stuff, made 100. I think I debuted at 20 uh, first class. And I made my championship debut at 21. And I got 100 second game. And I got 50 first game. And then 100 second game, Darren Lehman had, were late coming over. So I batted at four. And I loved it. So they kept me in. They, they just kept me in. And it went it went from there. So it's, I enjoyed my phasing. Because I'm not one of these who played every age group level and, you know, and, and came through the system. I was a very, very late developer. And I think my, stand, sort of my experiences as a kid growing up in, in men's environments stood me well. I think Yorkshire liked that. We had a, a little bit of grit and a yeah. bit of desire. And I think the coaches and staff at the time identified that and thought we could maybe work with them. And that, yeah. that were it, lads. It were, yeah. And then I had to get my head round on playing cricket. And I, I remember playing it first team. I was the only lad still living with the mum and dad. And things changed quick, yeah. Brilliant. Rog, was was that Wayne Clark's first year? Wayne's... Uh, or was that 2000? Wayne's first year was 2001. I right. debuted in 97. My first class, my first championship year was 98. Right, okay. Um, but again, got in basically on the back of... A lot of things have to happen, as you know. Richard Kettlebred got frustrated. By far the best player we had at the time, second 11. And he went down to Middlesex, I think. And it opened up. I were kind of next in. Uh, Buffer were late coming over. And I played. And it, that was just about it. Made 100 second game. I think I made a double 100. Sixth game, seventh game. And uh, yeah, just sort of. There were, there were quite big steps, you know. Mm. So when, when, when did you start move, uh, moving up to open the batting? And Ronick, you know, when we came through, we, we knew you just as an opening batter. Yeah. So all that first year, batted middle order. Um, Magsy were up top with Vaughan and then they were always pegged out they were England A2 as regular and they were on this track and then Magsy Magsy had not a linear but I think they'd had some discussions that it might be used down the list and that it was just going to be a natural swap so I went up top then Magsy went down the list and did really well 
I went up top, uh, found it a little bit harder, <laughs> but it, it, it worked quite well. So I opened, I remember pre, uh, before Verge went and played for England, we, were, we would have been openers, yeah. You played at a good time though, Ronnie. You must have played with some, some good players in that era. It, it was ace, Rich. Um, they were just good lads. We were, they were good players. I'd kind of, I'd got familiar with them early. Uh, they welcomed me in, which were nice. So I always, I, I felt part of it early. But they were just good lads, and we, you know, we made some genuine friendships in that in that group. We probably didn't win enough, and we've said this yeah. when we've been out, you know, post career and had a few beers. We probably didn't win enough. But um, great, great period to, to be playing. It was basically CFAX and, and um, Yorkshire Post. We'd come in from hotel and there were no mobile Twitter or whoever. We'd put CFAX on page 340 and we'd just see how everyone had done in the country. And then we'd probably just meet up down in the bar, a bit of food. It, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I know. Um, we'll, probably, we'll probably touch on it a bit later, Ronnie, but... It's so different now, to, especially in the role you're doing now, to teaching the young lads about social media and stuff. You know, back then there was none, none of that, was there? No, and I, I, I'm always, I'm constantly thinking now between how much it could affect performance because back then, if you did badly, you didn't really get a mention in the newspaper. Mm. So just mention, unless you had a really bad trot, you'd get a mention. But just a, an off day, you didn't, it was always the lads who did well, so it was quite positive press. And I just think now, blimey, it must be brutal because everything they're doing is uh, is scrutinised, and and it's so addictive to look on. You know, you could you could say to them until you're blue in the face, just you know, have some coping skills around how you're going to use it. But it's addictive, and I think gen- genuinely, lads will tap in. And there's a lot of study going on at the minute in pro sport regarding the old social media. Um, just just sort of getting onto that. I mean, finish your playing career. Then yes. what made you want to to help young professionals? What is in what you do now as professional development manager with the PCA? So when it's a good question, Brez, because it's not really a job that you train to do or go to school for. It's uh, when so I tell, was finishing. So so go through your story from finishing professionally to how you. So I were I were coming to a really um, I were getting lost. So I were late twenties as a batsman. You're thinking this is your moment. You're always told. Early 30s is where you make, you know, your money and, and your, your career. And I were getting lost. I'd been in a difficult place, I think, in, looking back. And there was a guy who used to come around and he, he was called Dave Priestley. And he was brilliant and he worked for ECB. Yeah, and he'd Dave. just make himself available. And I'd, I'd end up spending time with him. And looking back now, he was strategically positioning himself so that I could be, he made it easy for me to go to him. And I'd offload and tell him stuff and how I was feeling, stuff that I probably wouldn't tell a coach or captain because we used to get good at saying we were all right back then. Anyway, I offloaded with Dave loads and I really uh, I got to uh, I got to appreciate the value of speaking out. And I think when I finished and I needed a couple of years to get myself sorted out as in because it's a difficult period, it's very tough to prepare. We were also involved in building, Brez, as you know. And 2008, when I retired, the building trade went yeah, collapsed. Collapsed. So collapsed. collapsed. Things, things that I tried to get in place to move into after the game, both had gone. Anyway, I ended up, I got given a job working in ice cream, which is, I look back and it was absolutely fantastic. I'm so grateful. And his dad, it's, it was Mike Frayne at the time, Will Frayne, Yorkshire CCC. Yep. It's his dad. And I played with him at league cricket. And I think Mike had always had a lot of time for me. And he said, look, come and work in this business. A little interview in an hotel in Harrogate. Sort of come and start. I knew absolutely nothing about the industry, the trade. And they taught me. They taught me everything. And I think it was a massive learning period for me. We just had kids. Everything was just crazy. And, uh, but I had this thing in me that I want, if I've come out of the game early, I had aspirations to play late 30s. If I've come out early, I want to help those who are still in, ideally my teammates, because a lot of you guys were coming through. There were Magsit, there were Joe Sayers, there were Brofs, Chalky were around at the time, each second level coach. But I wanted to get back in and use what I was learning and, and if I could, um, support the next phase, support support the lads coming through. But the job that came about is a split job and it's you do more than one club. So I did you guys, Lancashire, 
Derbyshire um, and Notts. So I, I, I got back in at a level, but I were totally different. I think I just had a, a lot clearer filters, Brez, and I, I think I, um, I viewed the game very differently. And I wanted to get then close enough to players to add value. The whole idea is to maximise your career as long as you can, get everything, all the opportunity that the game presents and get out safely. That's, that's the whole idea. As we know, pro sport can rough you up a bit and it, and it can send you to some places. And somebody, uh, having somebody to offload and speak to or someone to support in that field is crucial. I totally believed in, in the job. I believe in it. In, yeah. And I think pro sport's come a long way in 15 years, player care. And yeah. that was it. It was just a genuine passion to come back. I never really got technically into coaching, but I suppose this is coaching in a different way it's coaching the person rather than the, the technique or the skill sets it's coaching the lad really or the girl yeah well we're, we're both involved in the uh, academy winter programs aren't we Ronnie and you know you're just as important part of the winter program than I am as the bowling coach you know it's such a big part of players development now to understand about money about social media to be taught at a young age is such an important thing now and it's it's a massive part of of our our club's ethos now and growing up and in you know in educating players not just in cricket but in, in everything it's that they will get in in the real world yeah and the vulnerable young lads they come into a system don't they rich from school um, this fabulous facility, pro sport and these high demands and stuff, and they're still working it out. I remember some great players, 18 to 20, uh, misfire and, and, and fall out of the game. They were way better than some of us who, who signed pro. And you just get it wrong at that crucial phase. And you're going through, um, you want somebody there really to just check in with, I think, that's probably not the coach. And it's come part of the, the sort of support staff, hasn't it, Rich? It's become part yeah. of uh, the psyche yeah. of a young player that they get supported through it. Definitely. Yeah. And it's not it's not just your young players. I know, Brez, you'll, yeah. you'll speak here now, but the senior players value it just as much. Yeah, I mean, like, Ronnie, you've helped me tremendously over the last couple of years. Like, And I mean, I think it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's different, you know what I mean, going to someone like you that's on, on the periphery but like being in with the lads and being everyone's, you know, mate, so to speak. I mean, we've been mates since you, you used to pick me up at, uh, my mum had dropped me off at, what is it, at Cedar Court and you picked me up and we'd go everywhere yeah. on, on Saturday night, weren't we, to play at Sunday. I remember Somerset early in the piece. Yeah, to play at Sunday League, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'd do that a lot. Like most, most Saturday evenings, you'd be after league cricket when you were towards the end. But we'd spoke about, all that sort of stuff then and you've helped me immensely over the last couple of years just like preparing for for the end so to speak I think not necessarily that I'm I'm finished or I'm approaching the end but you know it is a shock isn't it like you've been through it and everyone we pretty much speak to on this on this podcast so far that's finished like Magsy people like that have gone well yeah it's a massive shock I didn't know what I was going to do so even for the older lads your role is like pivotal to for their sort of self-worth and you know moving forward with their lives it's um, it's interesting because when you play <coughs> Lankies or Knots or Durham, I go and I sit there and some of you lads just think I've come for my dinner and stuff. But there's, <laughs> there will be somebody at the ground who is desperate to speak to us and no one else really knows. And it's quite, that's how it, that's kind of the art that I've, I'm learning to make myself available. But I watch the game unfold on the pitch that all the fans are watching and sometimes it's on Sky and I watch a totally different game now, Brent, because I know you lads as, as lads. I just know you as, and you've all got a subplot. You've all got families. You've all got this other story that's running alongside your cricket and your profession. Mm, and yeah. I totally appreciate now what is going on. So when there's rivalry, I, I kind of see it, but then I think, wow, you know, these lads are turning up, putting game face on. And this, we know there's so much going on behind the scenes. And I, I think what I learned as a player is it's very hard to compartmentalise and the white line stuff. I think everything you do and surround yourself with plays a part in the, in the performance. Over time, you might kid yourself a couple of good innings that you can get away with it. But actually, consistent performance, you need to be pretty consistent in most things you do, don't you? And I've totally just... I watch a different game, but I do smile because some, some lads still in this job will not just, if they don't need you and they don't ask you stuff and they, they don't really know what it is. And yeah. 
and so must just look at us and go, yeah, Woody's here again. But it, it, there is a rhythm to it and there is a structure. And it often, it waits till, till you get one-on-one or someone leaves the room and then you kick in. So, yeah, it, but it's, it's having the, taking the, the stance that, you know, you said at the end that you said cricket ends, but you carry on. The lad carries on. You're on a continuum till you're 80, you, you two, or hopefully more. And I've been retired or not non-professional now longer than I played. So I, and I, I think, geez, I'm only 43. I've been retired longer than I played. And when I finished, I was cooked. I thought my head was going to blow up. I, I would just, I thought I was old. And I was, I was 30, 30, 31. And, and then as I came back in at 34, I was supporting players. And I remember that Benny Phillips at Knotts is into PT training now. He was in amazing shape, seam bowler. And we were coming, I remember playing against him. And he had a fantastic attitude to life and cricket. And he's gone on and made himself into this top trainer down south. But he just had a great attitude. And I were, I were picking his brains a bit. And I just think when you finish, Brez, or you just move into something else, the cricket side stops. But the Brez moves on, doesn't it? And it's a continuum. And it's having that mindset that, you know, you move through the, the phases um, and cricket's just the phase that, that, that you've left. It, it yeah. is. It's just a, it's a small part of your life, isn't it? And, it's, it, you know, it builds, it builds your life. But it's, if you've got that mentality that, you know, there's, there's other things and, you know, life goes on and family's, you know, the main thing, you can, you, you can get wrapped up in cricket so much as a player, you sometimes forget all that. Yeah. I listened to Nigel Martin last podcast and I used to love watching him play. And they're sort of our era. And when they talk or reminisce or when you go to old golf days and you hear players talking about good old days, you realise that we're all in the same boat, football, cricket. We've all got something in common and you, you will have them your own little story and then you'll help someone else with their little story. And I think yeah. that's quite important for us, an ex-sportsman to just help someone else because you're kind of offloading it from yourself and, and the, the feel good of, of helping someone pays you back in a different way. And I, I just think that with our era now, so if you're 35, Brez, and you started at 15, you were so young, that's 20 years. So that's over half your life you've been a pro cricketer. Yeah. But by the time you're 50 or 60, it'll be like a third. Yeah. It'll be less. No, I, I, like, with, this is... I kind of, I, yeah, I kind of expected it a little bit, obviously, with you, Rog, but it's a, it's a deep one, isn't it, this one? Yeah, it's, it's a good, massive it's part good, of the game. And, but it's good, to, it's good to explore this kind of stuff. Um, it is. Especially because, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast, they, they really want to know what goes in behind the scenes to, to regulate players and, and do that sort of stuff. So bearing that in mind, of, of, that leads nicely into our next question, actually. So what, what are you doing at this moment in time at the PCA or as the PDM to, you know, to ease, about cricket? ease the lockdown? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to. We're just going to talk about cricket, lads. We're just going to ease the, you know what, what you're doing to keep you know everyone entertained. Do you know what lockdown I think is provided is a, a space for players to go, cricket's not bullet. Proof. We thought we thought it was ring fence money. It's just as vulnerable, and I, I I've got a feeling that players are gonna come back ultra charged up. They'll know more about themselves. They'll they'll want every last bit. I think it it's been awkward because we've had forty twenty days on the trot, which would have been great for cricket. But in the long run, I think players will benefit. I do. I think yeah. there'll be a because we always practice like a false hardship, don't we? What if you want a player? What if, what are you going to do after, or where, where does what does it look like after? Well, now that they're, they're in it, and well, some yeah. of them have never been further away from a game. I'm practicing retirement right now. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, if the kids were at school and the golf courses were open for all this time, it pretty much would have been a dry run. So yeah. it's absolutely brilliant for me. But the but, furlough brez and stuff. I, when I left the game, two thousand and nine, eight. I thought the money had peaked. I thought the cash had peaked. And it's gone again and again. And broadcasting comes in. Players are well rewarded. And um, it has. Cricket's, cricket's gone through the roof the last 15 years. Well, it's, it's a robust product, isn't it? Anyone that's willing to pay $1.3 over five years for TV rights for a, for a yeah. sport, it's, that's yeah. a robust, robust product. Which but English is part of us. 
it's part of his makeup. English love cricket. They, I feel sorry for the old uh, recreational because them lads genuinely love it as much as you guys, and and it's their release on a weekend, and yeah. they just can't get it. The whole well, country. Nigel Ma- Martin. Nigel Martin. Typical example last week on on the cast. I, I really felt sorry for him because he was missing his Saturday Saturday afternoons with his short sleeve shirt wicket keeping. Like, yeah. that's I, I really felt sorry for him. Yeah, he's just like he looks forward to that all week, and now he can't yeah. do it. Like, yeah. it's like you wanting to play golf. That's what exactly. it is, Rich, isn't it? It's our yeah. goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is exactly. You buy a driver for three hundred quid. I, I can't believe the cost of a cricket bat now retail right now. <laughs> Come on, then lighten us up, Rich. Right, just just going back to cricket, then, Ronnie. Like, we we spoke a bit deep there, and uh, you know you've. Let's let's go back to your cricket. You, you know you've had some highlights as well, haven't you? You've you've got a thousand, you know, a thousand runs in a season. You've you picked England Day. You won the championship with Yorkshire. You've won a one-day competition with Yorkshire. So just talk us through your highlights there. You've just mentioned them. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> um, I think. Oh, let him let him have his own moment, Rich. Jesus. Sorry, Ronnie. <laughs> I heard Magsy say the other week, the lads are the memories, and they really are. And, and you know, certain little milestones and hundreds and thousand-run seasons are really good. Uh, at the time, they're what your drivers are. But when you look back, you remember the lads. The, the two trophies that we won were just fantastic because I don't think you can ever take for granted a trophy win. They're blooming hard to get. You guys yeah. won back-to-back. That must have been colossal because the track record of teams winning titles and getting relegated is pretty good in cricket so you to mm. do it back to back but the the thousand run stuff the, the Australian you know that going to Australia with the England Academy the first one it was a belter because we're living in Adelaide for six months basically training at, at the uh, Saka there it was fantastic and there were some big names on there who went on a yeah. massive illustrious careers hundred test men so it were it were good and you look back and you I think Overall, you just wish you could uh, have one more. I wish I could have one more game. You know, just mm. one. That were it. Um, just to just to get the juices again, and you and you can't. Yeah. Do you remember um, a little trip to Belfast Island? Yes, I do. Which yeah. was mine and Brizzy's first overseas trip. Wow. Uh, and did it get a, rained off when we played on it, Reserve Day? It got rained off. So. Yeah. As a tradition at Yorkshire, when it's your first away trip, you have to do uh, a five-minute show, don't you? Yeah. So, Brizzy got up and successfully did the Inky Pinky Parley Vue with all this, the uh, this This, this hotel reception. was, it wasn't hotel reception, it was airport departure lounge. No, it was in the hotel bar. No, it wasn't. It was airport departure lounge because uh, all the Yorkie speckies were, were all there and they were, wait, we were waiting to fly back and someone suddenly remembered it's... And, and they've got to do a show. Airport departure lounge, definitely. Well, do you remember? Do you remember mine, Ronnie? I remember. Old man, you did. Uh, did you do EIO? No. no, I did a rap, and I did. And a, oh, uh, in at three, in at two, Ronnie Woo. <laughs> yeah, 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 Ronnie yeah, Woo, the small slow talking lad, choosy sweets, <laughs> which is all he eats, and he hates getting it on the pad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I remember. Oh, I remember yeah. Dave in at two, well, Ronnie Woo. Can't, can't say that on here. I thought you might have had a speed gag out earlier on this podcast. Just checking, checking if audio were on, on the right screen. Is Ronnie Wu? To be fair, Rod. Uh, I think you your internet's that... a bit... Go on. Go on, Brez. I, th- I said I think your internet's a bit uh, a bit, bit off because every now and then you just go on a, on, on a rapid burst. Do you know when it like cuts out and then it speeds up properly? That's what you seem yeah. to be doing to me. So, it sounds like you're talking properly then, Ronnie. Yeah, it I'm does. I'm putting all my words in. <laughs> <laughs> That, yeah, that, in that game, Liverpool played Chelsea, and it was when they got to uh, Istanbul final. And Pete Pete Hartley, what ex Yorkshireman, was the, the umpire. Mm-hmm. And Magsy, he stayed in our hotel. And Magsy is a massive Chelsea fan, and Liverpool did him with that one that might or might not have gone over the line. And Magsy made a comment like, "Bit unlucky that mate last night to Jack at, at breakfast," and he said. I hope you're not unlucky today. And, and Jack was umpire. <laughs> and Magsy, I think we needed about seven to win. And I don't want to call Pete's judgment, but it looked it looked hindered, Mags. 
And um, he gave him out, Pete. He gave him out. And as Mags walked past him, it, it, Pete said to Mags, a bit unlucky there, mate, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it was CNG, though, wasn't it, against Ireland? I don't think... Do you reckon we were giving that as much beans as what we could have probably would have done yeah. as a game of cricket, professionally, like... It, what, first year they were in comp, we were like, who are these idiots? Like, yeah. we're rocking. Same with Netherlands when we played them or Dutch or wherever. Yeah, we kept losing to Holland when we went to Holland. Yeah, because they had Pete Boran, wasn't it? He was legend. Pete Boran, the Holland Tim Bresnan. Yeah, but look at Ireland. We're moving Test Nation now. Yeah, they I are. I think that, that uh, Ireland game, Ronnie, is where uh, it were wet and we couldn't have throwdowns. So Sharpie were giving, I can't remember who it was, Sharpie were giving underarms oh, on a full toss. Brizzy, it me. He smashed it straight won, back yeah. into Waspit with a broken arm. Yeah, I broke his, um, his wrist. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. Actually, he reminded me a couple of years ago when he tried, um, I had a meeting with him in Brig House for some reason. I can't remember why. Uh, or out of contract, I think that's why. Um, we all know it's at Worcester now, don't we? But uh, yeah, he reminded me of it. It was like, yeah, it bloody it, hurt that. But he didn't. He didn't say a word. He just. He just. He wore it. And then while game were on, he, he went to hospital. He come back in a, a pot with a broken arm. Unbelievable. He's had a few injuries while he's being coached. Remember when he had given that team talk at Kent and he was spewing? He kicked that bin, but it went nailed <laughs> to the floor and he broke his foot. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> bench on it. <laughs> that was I tell you who that was. That was um Jared Brophy, scuba diver. He ran he ran someone out and then he got caught on hook, didn't he? Three three balls before end of play. Yeah. <laughs> it was Tunbridge Wells one. Did did the, the sight screen mover got hit by the ball? Someone hit a six and did did An- Andrew Simmons hit a six and hit side yeah. screen over on his head. Yeah. <laughs> That one with Kevrich when um, I, I were just about done. I went to second team captain at Beckingham. I think you would have been in first team. And um, yeah, I remember the story. I, I were in. I were just on. It was my probably my final straw. So I were captain at second team and I was close with Kev. And uh, it was a mixed game: North Ants, Kent at Beckingham, and they had Tino Best trialing. And he was bowling absolute rapid, and we had to go in. I don't, I can't remember how the game went, but we had to go in for one of them awful six-over spells at night before close. And um, me and Lydie opened batting. Lydie nicked one, and Dead came out. They sent Pato in as night watchman, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there were five balls left. And first ball, Tino Best bowled him. I don't think Dead moved, and it, it hit him on his forearm. I thought it broke his arm, and I was, I was at far end. And uh, I went down, he all right, did. And I said, I think I broke my arm. Next ball, he turned his back on one and it kind of hit him on the shoulder. And I'm thinking, this ain't right, this. Young lad coming in, night watcher. I'm experienced pro captain. Tino best bowling wheels. I, I didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Anyway, two balls to go. He, he turned his back on another. And the ball dribbled down to fine leg. And I just thought, he's going to kill him here. Two more balls left, he's going to kill dead. I'm going to take the run. So I just literally walked down, took the run, and they were loving it with Northampton and Kent. And um, I blooming nicked it. I nicked next ball. And Kev, <laughs> Kev were absolutely spewing. Uh, and it was a massive ground. And I remember walking off, and it was one of them where the bales came off, you know, they called, called clothes. So everyone came in the dressing room at the same time. And... Um, I think Kevin thought he'd seen it all when when it through his playing days, but he went ballistic. And I said, he said, what happened there? I said, Kevin, is that is hundred percent my fault. I thought I thought they were going to kill Pato, and then I, I just saw him on phone. Then about half an hour later, I saw him on phone, and I think that was my last game. But to make it worse, in the morning, Pato came down to reception and he said, I think I've broke my arm. And because I were out and I had a car at the ground, I had to take Dead to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know how interesting Dead was back then. So I've got this four-hour wait in A&E with Dead, telling me <laughs> how he broke his arm, like he couldn't move his arm. And I, how I was thinking, well, I'm going to get sacked in the morning. I've played my last game. <laughs> I've got to drive five hours home and I'll never play again. And um, yeah, just to make it worse, I think Dead came out with this like tubey grip on, like <laughs> even a bruise, just tubey grip. Yeah. I think this is this is the game. time. This 
This is the time that Pato were picking up all his nicknames, wasn't it? It wasn't very interesting. He was soft. He was soft. He's a lot tougher now, but he was soft. And he had no, he changed nothing, man now. Nothing really about him, did he? he I think he's up. brilliant for you guys. He is. He is. He's unbelievable. Time. Yeah. He's a great think, leader. Yeah. A great leader. I think all the all the crap he got when he was a young lad, when he was making his way from like yourself, Mags, all all the older senior teammates. It wasn't bullying, was it? But it was like it was borderline. I think that's made him into who he is as a person. <laughs> it is. Like, it was a tough. It was a tough environment to come into that though. We came into that environment as young lads and it was, you know, you've got to be strong to deal with that. And we are where we are today because of that tough environment, I reckon. And Pato's, you know, he's flying now. He's such a consistent player for us, but an unbelievable leader with, you know, in our group of players. Yeah. He just gets it, doesn't he, Rich? Like, he just, yeah. he just gets it. Like, he gets it. He gets cricket. I think he's, yeah. yeah. He's an intelligent lad and there's not many of them in our dressing room. So, yeah. stands out, doesn't he? <laughs> Right, moving to some Twitter questions, Woody. Uh, yes. This first one is from Jonathan. What is your favourite innings played for Yorkshire? Favourite innings, it would have to be the, the 100 at, at Scarborough against Glamorgan the day we won the title. Not the day of the game. And it, yeah. it, not just because of the obvious. Again, we spoke about a, a naughty 10 minutes before close. We bowled them out, had to go in in the night before. Simon Jones were bowling really quick. And, and I actually ducked into a, a bouncer. And it cleaned me up. I were, I were done. Side of me nut. And Wayne Morton took me to, I think it was Wayne, he took me to hospital and I had to have some stitches. And I came back in the morning and it was a good pitch. It was a bumper crowd. And um, I remember Darren Lehman saying, you just sit it out. You, know, you just, you don't have to go in. He were next in. And I was like, no, no chance. This is a full house <laughs> and, and it's a decent deck. And I had a yeah. big guy out here. Anyway, t- Tango. Tango at night watchman nicked off early doors and I Sorry, just got Tango Tango out. Steve t- Tango Steve Kirby for all everyone. Not... Steve were fan, he were brilliant. And um, so I just went up and got out and I, I just got a really decent ovation. And um, yeah, first ball, Joe Side Jones, it was one or the other, and I'd gone all in bouncer and he did he delivered it and I put him towards the gates for six. And I think I played that day, Rich, freer than I played purely because I had an eye injury, but yeah. I just played and I really enjoyed it. And I think we put a big score on me and Whitey. Whitey got 170, played magnificent. But the whole week culminated. So that's the, the easy one, one innings, yeah. Brilliant. So Taunton, uh, one day game, Pro 40. You know where I'm going where with you, this one? I know where you're going with this, Brez, yeah. yeah so I we, remember we that. Played, we played a game... I don't know where we were, but we got we get rained off, and we we travelled to Taunton. We went uh, on bus, I think. Oh, did me and you travel down separate? Me and you lunch? went down Saturday That's night. Right. Yeah, and when we got there, they were all in bar. Yeah, and we had some catching up to do, didn't we? Yeah. And yeah. anyway, it got big on us, and uh, I think I got back about quarter past, and I was sat in bar with uh, Bumble because Sky Boys were staying in the same room. That's, that is exactly right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, and then we see you sort of come in at quarter two with Ian Harvey, and uh, yeah. his face was a lot flatter than it usually is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you put him to bed and went to bed yourself, and I was 12th man for that game, I think, and I run you a drink on next day. You were on about 75. Yeah. And you said to me, Drez, what have you been putting in this bottle, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, what? Did. And then you, you said, said to me, you, all right? you've said, I've it, never been so relaxed at Crease, lad. <laughs> <laughs> but you got 130 odd, didn't you? And well, Somerset, Brez, saved my career probably three times because every time we were going to get dropped, I used to look at fixtures for when we got Somerset away. I used to love it down there. It was, it was um, fun back then, yeah. It was such a good deck. And yeah, it used to just keep me going. <laughs> well... If you've got that confidence and you know you can perform, why, why not have a bed that night before? I'd got a pair the week before Durham and I begged Jeff Cope, I begged him, I said, give me one more game. There were Jeff and Kevin, they'd had a chat, they were thinking about leaving me out. And I said, just give me one more go and it was, it was taunting. And I thought, if I can't save it down there, I'm in big trouble. And um, <laughs> yeah. Amazing how you remember grounds, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 
We're all of a special ground. Okay, this next one, Ronnie, is from, uh, I don't think he's got an official Twitter handle, but it's Terry Pigeon. Yes. Have you ever snipped my socks? Uh, no, I've not. I've got involved with snipper uh, chat lately because it's been a lot of people at golf club have been asking about it because it's been popular but no not a snipper rich i got dragged in purely by association a few times because they were good friends with gav magsy and blakes who were prime suspects but i uh, I'd got done by association a lot but i want the sniffer so you're I saying thought, that you've i, I actually thought them. you were gonna literally out everyone then when you when you first start when you started that first name gavin hamilton a hundred percent it's not 100 percent so you're saying woody you've never snipped anyone yeah i'm not a snipper rip i'm not i'm not a snipper i like that i enjoyed alt gags but i enjoyed being a, a number two i, I like watching them unfold <laughs> well as in like sat there waiting for um because you knew that someone's socks were about to go up to their knees it was like an aura in the room. You just knew someone had got done and it was coming. <laughs> no, no one dare go for a shower and miss it. They didn't miss what, it. So you'd all be sat there waiting for someone to get out of the shower? Just it, well, chewing fat? It was just one of them, yeah. You just knew someone had got done all the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you remember old dressing rooms? There were one less towel all the time for players. And then someone like Gad would come out at end and be like, we'd all have towel around waist, wouldn't we? I remember, <laughs> I remember them. Remember that like, because you had to put your, if you wanted your towel to stay where you'd put it, you put it on bath because there were two big baths in the middle, didn't you? Yeah. And, and it was, it was either Ryan Sidebottom or Gavin Hamilton had always come in and just turned taps on it bath. And that'd be it. Your towel would be ruined and you just go, why? <laughs> Why are you doing it? But yeah. yeah, absolute scenes. That that moves nicely onto his next question here, then Ronnie. Um yeah. go for it. Couple of his favourite stories from, you know, your dressing room times pre season or away with England day. Pranks. We're talking pranks. Um yeah. I've got some I've got a story. One of my favourites were Corky. Dominic Cork used to give me a magazine all the time. Like we used to call him classroom bully, but it were, it were good natured, but he used to come out at us for Derby. And then he went to Lanks and a massive game at Old Trafford Roses match, really high intensity. We got all the Corky's mobile number and he didn't have, he didn't know ours. We made out it were a secret admirer at the ground and we started it on day one and you look good today, Dominic. And I really like how you put your zinc on your nose and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And telling him where we were going to sit next day and keep a lookout for me. I'll, I'll be putting a, a nice blouse on and stuff. And he got where he thought it was this secret admirer. And then I think day three, we sent him one saying, Dominic, can you promise you'll wear them tight trousers again tomorrow? And uh, <laughs> we couldn't resist me and Mags. So we stood at slip and he came into bat. And I think Mags were bowling and I were at slip. And we basically relayed the conversations we'd been having on this text that Penny dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Magsy followed through Blake's took it and Magsy going ooh I love them tight trousers <laughs> and everything <laughs> anyway he took it he took it well but Corky as you remember had a serious bouncer and it was yeah. like three, he chucked it I think it was like three yards quicker and um, he, gave, he gave us one of the serious, most serious workouts we've ever had. It, it were, I, couldn't, I never played tests. I couldn't imagine it would be much more intense. But that would, that's one of his favourites. And even now, we still laugh about it. We still see each other. <laughs> Love that. that. That is a good story. Nothing like that ever happens now, does it, Rich? No. There's, there's, there's odd bit of niddle at Neagle and stuff like that. Who's that, who's that lad that plays for them? Livingston. He, he called me a fat. Whatever, didn't he? Yeah. I was sat on bench. I wasn't even playing. <laughs> You'd even say anything to him. He just ran past no. you and called. He said, "What are you looking at, you fat?" Yeah, yeah. So, no, it worked. See, see, word. Yeah. You can't get you get you can't get away with it now with all social media and no. you know all phone numbers. You just put it in WhatsApp and you can see whose profile it is. So you, you can't do yeah. stuff like that now. So those stories are legendary. We once had a, a pre a, a, an end of season to Dublin. Fines got massive. You remember when? It were tenors in, one it for shaving. If yeah. it made a noise on your chin, if you rubbed your chin and it made a noise, one year we got thousands in. Goffy if you could flick it. it. You'd play beard flicks. If you could flick it, 
without it touching your face. That were it. You got done. Yeah, oh. but it was one. It was Friday to Sunday. We couldn't wait. So remember Miss Barker's house behind Edinley, where all the lads used to stay. Gav yeah. stayed there. So the bus was picking us up Friday morning to take us to airport. Me and Gav couldn't wait, so we went into Leeds Thursday night. And we missed the bus. We slept in Friday. So I got in my car, drove me and Gav to Manchester, packed it in short stay. Obviously got on, on the trip. Trip was fantastic. Bit of paintballing, Guinness factory, a lot of drinking. And then last day, classic mags this, last day, um, Gav, you get the bill, I'll hold the minibus. So we get, we're all on minibus waiting, mags is late again. He said, just go, guys. Gav's going to come. Gav's coming in a bit. He can't get out of bed. But Gripper had told Gav to go and pay room bill and, and he'll hold the bus. So Gav's spewing. Gav has to get a taxi to the airport. <laughs> going off at Magsy. And then as we're flying down then, he's going, that's rubbish from you, Ron. Rubbish from you. Um, you should have made that bus wait. You know, we've been out all weekend together. We've travelled over together. That's rubbish from you anyway. We didn't cost him 40 quid in a taxi and um, planes coming down 40 minutes in, planes coming down and they were all a bit tired. And, captain speaking, this is your captain speaking. We are now descending ready to land at Leeds Bradford Airport. And Gav, you could imagine Gav's face when, so my car's at Manchester and Gav, <laughs> Gav is basically <laughs> spewing. How did you not know that, well... That you were boarding a plane to Leeds Bradford. We we missed the bus, left the car at, at Manchester Bres and landed yeah, in no, Leeds but, Bradford. But at what you, you weren't supposed to, like were you did you have a return flight to Manchester, is what I'm asking. <laughs> no, we never you never check your tickets on a lad's trip, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I tend to. Brez, that reminds me of when uh, you booked uh, our flights to uh, Spain for Gailey's wedding and we were supposed to fly to Malaga. We gets to airport and we're flying to Alicante. I says Briz, what what's all this about? He went, Oh, it's only it's all right, it's only it's only an inch away on the map. Goffy Goffy told me I could fly to I don't know why I'd believe Goffy, but when I was booking flights, I said there's none left for Malaga. He said, oh, it's all right, Brez, you can just fly to Alicante. It's only it's only twenty five minutes in a taxi. I was like, All right, okay. Turns out it's five hundred and three kilometres or something. Well it's it took us about six hours to drive, didn't it? Yeah. Good trip though. Got saw some saw some scenery, didn't we? Yeah, good trip. Good trip. <laughs> covers off quick fire. What we usually do, Rog, covers off quick fire questions. So basically, you just first thing that comes into your head. Earliest memory of cricket? Emily Clarence Cricket Club. Cricket in Aero. Ooh. Viv Richards. Right. Professional debut. Lancashire, Edinley, 97. Good debut, that. Roses. Happy days. Uh, best game you've played in? Probably uh, by a mile Lords final. C&G, Magsy and, and, and Matt Elliott at the end. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that from stands. Favourite ground in the world to play in? Scarborough or Newlands. Yeah. A lot of people are saying exactly the same thing. Somebody to bat for your life? Buffer, I'd say Buffer, yeah. Right. Buffer okay. or Joe Root? Messiest in the dressing room. Mags. Just, just remind you, just remind you, it is quick fire this, Rog. So first. This thing is here. quick for Woody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the vainest cricket you've ever come across, and don't say Pyra because it, it it touches so many. You try, you try hard with this, Brez. It's just, this is coming from a fat Zimbabwean farmer. Everyone's vain compared to them. <laughs> um, vain, vain, vain. Not many Yorkies are vain. Um, Greg, <laughs> we Greg know Blewett? One. Greg Blewett, maybe, yeah. Greg, he was Siddy, better, yeah. Siddy were up there, Ronnie, when he were young. Don't, feed him, there, don't yeah. feed him answers, Rich. It's, it's Ronnie's quick fire. Uh, oh, best, best celebration or party after a game? Scarborough. Scarborough, 2001. 2001, yeah, just obvious, yeah. but uh, massive celebration. Brilliant scenes, yeah, fantastic. Three people are living or dead to have dinner with. Ooh, um, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. <laughs> Will Farrell. Yeah. And um, Jurgen Klopp. 
Definitely. Put, money, put money on you just said yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah. I bet you're watching the breakup, aren't you? On repeat. Yeah. Those two, innit? Pick your best six-a-side cricket team of people that you've played with. Six and me, or I won't get in this, so I'm going to go with um, late 90s, Magsy. Mags and Gav, definitely. Chalky White, Blakey and Varney. Varney would be mine, yeah, definitely. Right. How many is that, Rich? Five. 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 I'm going to go for... Who have I got? Read them out. Got to have Buffer in there. Surely, Ron. Yeah, Buffer. So I'm going Lehman, Vaughan, Craig White, Anthony McGrath, Gavin and Hamilton, Richard Blakey. Right. Yeah, That's solid six. Squad. Out. Good squad, Good squad on the field and off the field. I've, uh, I've got the stopwatch ready. <laughs> yep. Uh, you might have heard about this one, Ronnie. One of your... Uh, we spoke about him today quite a bit. It's uh, Steve Patterson, so... You've got 30 seconds to name as many Pato nicknames as you can. So, at the minute, Mags is winning with 25. So, that's the uh, that's the target. So, Brez, have you got the stopwatch? I have, yeah. So, ready? Three, two, one, go. Steve, Stephen, dead. Dead man. Steady. <laughs> Lad, leader. Uh, oh, housewife. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds. Lad, lad, leader. You've had them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Four, three, two, one. No, not bad. That's not bad. Eight scores. How many did on. Mags get? 25. 25. Yeah, we, we, we basically think. So he's, he's, he logged on to a previous pod, knew this would come in. And he's written them down, basically. And he made most of them up. If you he remember. made most of them up, though, so... Right. Eight, though, so, that's equaled with Adam Lythe. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I reckon there's a few originals in there, though. There's a few... There's, there's a Housewife, few not, I like that one. <laughs> there's a few that's not been said. Definitely. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> Is that Donald Trump hair? <laughs> hey, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Right, Ronnie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and uh, you're doing a great job with uh, not just our players but you know around around the counties that you're working and uh, keep up the good work and keep keep developing those, those our young lads as well. So it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, hope you stay safe, mate. Thanks, lads. All the best. Just Thank echo you. that, Rog. Thanks very much. Brilliant. Cheers, right, boys. Um, Take care. No worries. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Right, you've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club with me, Tim Bresnan, and Richard Pyra. If you have any questions for us throughout the week, you can tweet us at Tim Bresnan and at Richard Pyra on Twitter. Uh, sorry again for the fact that we're working from home. Uh, obviously, technical difficulties do creep in, but we're still keeping you entertained, hopefully, and keep subscribing and pushing on that like button on your uh, usual podcatcher. <laughs>